Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Daryl's Daring Thoughts. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad to have you here with us um, virtually, of course. And I have a very special guest with me today. Um, he has the prestigious name of Darrington. Um, and he is here <laughs> uh, kicking off our Black History Month celebration. And we're going to be talking about the history of voguing. And yes, so first of all, Darrington, thank you so much for being here. You are quite welcome. I'm so honored to be a part of this, to do something positive, not just for Black History Month, but also for the LGBTQIA community. So it's very much a great honor. So thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for having um, um so I say thank you for having me. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want um I want to say thank you for um to a mutual friend of ours, uh, Frederick, who linked us. Um, it's been it's been so hard to find somebody because I've been trying to get this conversation going and having this topic going for a long time, and it's right. been very hard for me to find another African American to have this conversation with because there are plenty of people who are willing to have this conversation and for me um i did not want to have it with anyone if they weren't um if they were not um black or brown i just didn't because right. you know that right. you know this is something that is this is a conversation that is near and dear to us and you know we have it's it's a culture and a, a movement that has really paved the way for so much and i just feel i just did not want to have that conversation with in with 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 you know what i'm trying to say mm -hmm. <laughs> just i want to have it with the wrong people <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> so uh daring me and daring to have do not know each other personally we've never met but we were connected for this conversation so i definitely want to use this moment a little moment to get to know you a little bit better um so where are you calling from i am calling from chicago i am in Wait, my you're in chicago Yes, I am in the South Loop. I am in Michigan and 14th in the South Loop. Child, you like you live like five, ten minutes away from me. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I swear <laughs> I thought you were I swear I thought you were in another state somewhere. This is hilarious. Yeah, I am I live I, in the South Loop. That is kitchen. ridiculous. <laughs> I am in my kitchen, got some chili in the crock pot, and I am calling from the South Loop. Come <laughs> on, Chili. So you understand this old crazy ass wind we got going on right now. Okay. Baby, look, this wind, this weather, Miss Rona done messed it up for everybody. So. Listen, listen, we're gonna we gonna look on the bright side and hopefully Rona is just, you know, hopefully she get a last call, child, real soon because I'm about tired of her ass. I mean, me too, because me and her about to throw hands. Like I I've had it with her. <laughs> I swear. <laughs> okay, so um <laughs> let's talk uh let's talk about a few things. So of course okay. um can you explain to me your connection to um this community and um to this community and to this um the greatness of voguing and just just what is your connections just so I can know you know your your connection to this, so um, when um, I ask the rest of the questions going forward. Oh yes, of course. Okay, well, I started out in the drag scene, whereas I would uh, perform as a male lead entertainer, and I 
would work with uh, different uh, drag queens across the city of Chicago and across the country as well. I've competed in national pageants and local bar pageants. And um, I fell into the ballroom scene from that. And it's, it's very connected. They're, they're like Siamese twins. They go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And whereas the ballroom community, you walk in different categories where, where it could be Butch Queen up in drag or Butch Queen Vogue Femme. Now, Butch Queen Vogue Femme, that would be like you would have a young man presenting himself very, very masculine. And then the twist of it would be he would do like a literally like a 360 and then turn around and start voguing like very, very feminine and doing like all the five elements. Mm-hmm. And um, so I got connected through that because there was, um, oh my goodness, rest in peace. His name is Hector Extravaganza. So he was my gay uncle. I met him through my drag father, Seymour Chilton. I was at the Miss Continental Pageant, which is held here in Chicago every year, except for this year. <laughs> Thanks, Rona. But um, so. I met him at a pageant and he said, so you want to be in this drag ballroom scene culture? And I said, and I said, yes, it seems very exciting for me because I come from a performance background. Anyway, I've been dancing all styles of dance since I was what, three or four years old and I'll be 39 next year. And I still actively do it. And so he said, okay, so if you want to do this, just let me know how serious you are. And I said, I'm very, very serious. And, and I explained to him what it meant to me to be a part of this community because it, very rarely do I see, especially in my place of work, do I see a lot of people that look like me in terms of, like you said, black around, you know? And the reason why I connect with the ballroom community and the drag community so much is because we're all the same people. We come from the same background and um, we cut ourselves, we all bleed red. So Hector was just like, okay, so now you are my gay child. You are my gay, I'm your nephew. And um, so I connected with him. And then from that, I connected with other people here in Chicago who were in the house of Zisu, who was Balenciaga, whether it be uh, Ms. Rahi. And I started to go to um, these balls and people wouldn't recognize my face from the dragon pageant scene. They say, Oh, you part of the ballroom scene now? And I'm, and I'm just like, I'm showing an interest in it, but am I part of a house? No. In terms of like, um, ballroom scene type of house. No, I'm part of like a drag house, but it's very well connected and all, you know, and all the same. So I've been involved in the drag ballroom scene since early 2000, but, okay. um, it's, it's been very, beneficial for me because it's not just what well how can I say this um, most people who are in uh, houses from the ballroom scene or drag families as you would call it they just think um, and this is not knocking anybody but from what from some things that I have witnessed over the years they just think like, oh I'm in this house and that's it no it's what you do with that house and what you do outside of it perfectly perfect example of a person who's doing many great things from their um, drag or a ballroom scene community is Laomi Maldonado, who yes. is actually 
who is a icon in the ballroom scene, and who, when I tell you I idolize this woman, I've spoken to her on Facebook Live, and she said my name, and I have just screamed to the top and um, so Laomi is an icon in the in the house of Ms. Rock, and now she is on the cover of Elle magazine, along with India Moore, who plays Angel on Pose. Yes. And Laomi is also a brand ambassador for Nike. And if, if, if you really want to know how to elevate outside of ballroom, Laomi Maldonado, Amazon, Ms. Rahi, she would be the perfect example for that. And I just totally idolize her because she utilized her influence of ballroom to bring it to the more mainstream of this newer generation. Yes. So I so that's how I got connected with her. And she's my idol, her and Deshaun Landman. So yes. they are like my two biggest role models in ballroom. Yes, I will say um I I got connected to them just from um World's Best Dance Crew. That's when I was introduced to mm-hmm. them. Um, because I love that show. And when they came on that season, I was like, oh, my God. And that's yeah. that's when I fell in love with them. And I honestly didn't keep up with them after that too much. Um, I mean, I was younger. I wasn't mm-hmm. really focused. Um, you know, wasn't really... I wasn't really in the community like um like that. And so I was not really like, you know, keeping up with everyone after the show. Um, but then I... This year... Uh, well, last year I was like, "Oh my God, wait a minute!" I, I I followed them, and then I just started backtracking and just going back through their timeline from that show to now, and to see how they have mm-hmm. they have grown so much. Um, in, oh yeah, you know their influence, and then the things they do outside of the community is just really great. Well, thank mm-hmm. you for giving me hey. your backstory. I really appreciate it because I really did not know your connection. And whoa, so you are really going to be able to give me some great information um on your your thoughts on the topic so okay so since you are well aware of you know the ballroom scene and you know um the houses and things like that what was Mm -hmm. your what was your first thoughts when you heard that pose was coming like uh, this show was going to be developed and coming to television when i found out that the genius ryan murphy yes wanted to tap in to this underground world that most people had no clue about when i saw the advertisement for the for season one i was just like wait what is this what is this and Actually, I copied it and shared it on my Instagram page because I'm that obsessed with it. Um, I, I I just went I went crazy. I was calling all my friends. I was advertising on you. Would, I was advertising so much you would have thought I was in post. That's how much. <laughs> that's how excited I was about it. And and I saw one of my really good friends, Tyra Allure Ross, who is Dominique Jackson, who plays Electra Abundance or yes. Electra Rinsour on post because. Dominic Jackson actually started out in the pageantry scene and she competed for 
Miss Continental, and I'm about to tell my age here, and I have it on VHS. Yes, I still have a VCR. That's okay. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and I have her on tape, and she's really good friends with another uh, drag performer of mine. So that's how I met her. And I saw her. I saw MJ Rodriguez, who has a Broadway background, and I saw India Moore. And then I saw, and my favorite, Mr. Billy Porter, who's just amazing as Playtel. And I said, wait, what is this? And then once I watched the whole thing, and I said, wait, Ryan Murphy is getting ready to do a series on ballroom scene. And when I tell you, I cannot wait to get out of work because the first season came on Sundays at 7 o'clock. I got out of work at 6 o'clock, and I made sure it was 6 o'clock on the dot so I could be home by 6.30. Like, I, I was beyond excited. And he paid homage so well. Everything was so accurate. He did his research. And that's one thing I like. If somebody is going to do a show or a series about the LGBTQIA plus community, ballroom scene or drag, it is very important to do your research because yes. if you don't, we are like the beehive. We will come after you yes. and get you together and let you know what's correct and what's not. Mm-hmm. So I was I was over I was over the hill excited when Ryan Murphy came out with Pose. Very excited. I think what I liked about it the most when I heard about it, because the funny thing is I did not I don't know if I was living under a rock or what, but I did not find oh maybe no, I think so I think what it was is that I was I don't know if you do this, but I know I do this. When there's different shows come out, if I already have a certain amount of shows on my list, I don't want to hear about something new because it's going to add to my list and it's going to just screw me up because I have so many shows that I like to watch. that I binge watch and I say, okay, wait, wait, wait. I don't want to hear anything about this show until it's completely like the whole season is done so I can then yeah. binge watch it. So that's how I was with Pose. I wanted to wait and everyone kept saying, Cordell, you have to watch it. I said, wait, leave me alone. When it comes on Netflix, <laughs> I so I honestly did not watch it until season two was done. So then okay. I literally binge. <laughs> I watched season one and two in two days. <laughs> I, Girl, I'm I, telling you. I watched it in two days. And what I loved about it, because I'm also an actor. So what I loved about it mm-hmm. was how it was. I love period pieces. And I love oh, yeah. when it's a period that, I mean, I was, you know, I mean, I didn't grow up. In, I mean, I'm a. 80s baby, I'm an 80s baby, but you know, 90s raised me um, kid. And but mm-hmm. it was very, it, it gave me like, I was, I felt like it took me back to like the love of the fashions, the music. And you know, I have family members who have passed away from, um, from, um, AIDS. And so, yeah, um, that passed away during that time. And so, I, you know, that I didn't even get a chance to meet or I was too young to remember them. So I felt a connection to that. And then also um, Rent is one of my favorite musicals. And so mm-hmm. because I've already have I've seen Rent probably over um, 200 times, that kind of gave me another layer to accept about that musical because of, you know, what, um, what the, uh, everyone had to go through. And I right. don't know if you saw, it was a show, it was a show that was here last summer at Step, Steppenwolf Theater um, about, um, it was like, it's called Miss Black for President. Um, and 
it was about the um on the drag queen who ran for president in the early 90s i can't think of her name um and it was a show done here and it was also during that time as well and so it was just it was just so much that just connected everything for me it was just like a Mm -hmm. a big sigh of relief like oh my goodness now i get it now i understand and so i really you know it's important when these shows are done that we have the representation is in that room and you can tell it's right you can tell by that show that there was there was some queens in that room they were writing with him i mean ryan murphy is a genius but he Mm -hmm. he did not go off of just what he knew you know because you know he's uh, he's also not a person of color so that's another layer that had to be brought into it and so you can clearly tell it was done right and we have very few films that are done right that represent us and so it was a sigh of relief and a sigh of I, i was very happy like i was extremely happy by what i saw yeah i um it brought me to tears a few times, especially Absolutely. when they were showing, um, when they were doing the scenes and they were at the balls and pray tell was commentating and you saw, they did like a pan of like all the judges and you saw Hector and I was just like, I was like, oh, there's Uncle Hector, there's Uncle Hector. And when he passed away, I was, I was, what I tell you, I was broken. He passed away maybe, I'm going to say a year and a half, almost two years ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, one of my favorite episodes, I will say, and I still, I still watch season one as if it just came on five minutes ago, um, was the first episode of Pose when the robbery thing, because when, (laughs) and, and that and that is very important. Not to say that I'm glorifying, you know, things like that. I don't. But it was very important for Ryan Murphy to show that because if you had a house like the house of um like the house of Evangelista in the movie and then you had the house of abundance. Now, when Blanca, Electra, Lamar, Poppy and Angel and Candy and Lulu, they were in the museum because mm-hmm. they had a ballroom that night and the category was royalty. So when they walked in that room and Electra said jackpot, I said, Oh, I know what they about to do. They about to mop all this stuff, which is what which is the word that they use in pose, mop or goop or just basically steal. And because that's what most people did. If you wanted to walk a category that called for a certain look and you didn't have the money to get it, oh, in the words of Malcolm X, you're going to get it by any means necessary. Mm. So, um, so there were there were a lot of people that did, you know, smash and grab. Um, they shall remain nameless. I'm not going to put y'all out there like that. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but um, there are a lot of people that have done that and there are you know, there are some people that may still do that to this day. And that was very important that he showed that scene because especially back in those days, in the 80s, this was like right before the AIDS epidemic hit. 
to walk in a ball, to have a certain look, and you want to switch your best and win trophies, and not just trophies or notoriety, mm-hmm. but they were giving out cash prizes, and a lot of these people didn't have the resources to get a job. They were kicked out of their homes, and a lot of these people had to resort to sex work in order for a means of income, in order to live you know, from day to day. And they right. were a lot of them were sleeping on benches or sleeping at the pier in New York, which is, you know, yeah. iconic in itself. So they did what they had to do, and obviously they won. And that was one of my favorite scenes. And then when they touched on Blanca's story and how she was battling AIDS and things like that, that was more season two. Because being that it jumped to 1990 in season two, um, the first episode they showed, it was, and it's actually a real place too. I've, I've been there and I've seen it in New York how they have um they have a um like a graveyard yes quote unquote and one side is for people you know just like as as they defined it regular people meaning regular people who didn't die of AIDS and then you had then you had this side of people who did die of AIDS they didn't bury those two people in the same area because they didn't know they were that uh, they were that clueless of how this disease was spread they literally thought if you buried someone who did not die of AIDS right next to somebody that died of AIDS, they literally thought it was going to seep through the dirt and go to that person. It really wouldn't matter because that person is dead. Right. But they buried, they buried them 12 feet underground instead of 60. And, and, and that is very... And when I saw that, I said, man, I've been there. And a lot of people thought that was like made up and I said no that's that's actually a real place in New York and um, you have to take a ferry to get to it that's how far away it is and um well so just they, to piggyback off of that if for for my listeners yeah. who don't understand that they did the same thing with COVID they literally mm-hmm. did the same thing in New York when all those people died from COVID that they had so many, like they, they couldn't, they had nowhere to put these people. They literally did the same thing with COVID with the people who died from COVID. I mean, they didn't bury them 12 feet under, but they are, there were, there are pictures out there showing what they did and they tried to get rid of those pictures, but it was impossible, but they literally took all these bodies to some dump yard ship, uh, um, it looked like where they throw trash out type of thing and mm-hmm. buried all these and, and they did bury a lot of bodies there for people who did not have like loved ones and you know all that stuff they sure they definitely did that like <laughs> earlier this year oh yeah oh yeah they um but it it, it was a pose was very instrumental and I think for especially for the new generation who may not know much about the ballroom thing mm-hmm. um it's very important that they watch pose but just to be real and i'm a person who keeps it one pin at all times pose may not tell the full story and what i mean by that is in order to really know how it got started they need a lot of these new generations of uh, people who are in the ballroom and drag community they need to watch Paris is Burning because Paris is yes. Burning really breaks it down. Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. So very um, important. Let's um, talk about um, since you really have uh, you have a strong idea of, you know, how the ballroom scene was in the 90s 
you know, in 2000s, mm-hmm. all that um, stuff to compare it to now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I would like to know what are your thoughts on the ballroom scene and the traditions that were, that are like gone that you wish would return or some of the, you know, um, the costumes that you, or some of some of the categories or just some of the the vibe is there something that are there other things now that you appreciate now that you you know wish you had then and vice versa so just wanted to get your thoughts because you know i've from what i've seen because you know I've, I've always wanted to go to a ball never been to one but from what so I, it, it's it seems I feel like I would have I would have appreciated the balls in the nineties more than now because it's just oh, yeah. it just I feel like there's a different type of energy that's in, oh, yeah. that was there then that is not there now. Yeah. There is definitely a different type of energy and not only that, but it's a different type of respect mm-hmm. in the ballroom scene now than it was in the nineties. Um, let's, um, okay, let's go all the way back to Crystal LaBeja, who was in a 1970s, uh, movie called The Queen, and it was about the drag pageant in 1970s, I want to say it was in New York City, and if, to all the listeners who are going to be listening to this, if you have not seen it, it is available on Netflix, it is called The Queen, and Crystal LaBeja is in it, and, the one person who was on RuPaul's Drag Race, I forgot the season, her name was Aja. She did Crystal of Asia for the Snatch Game. And she had her down pat. And I was very appreciative of that because Aja comes from the ballroom scene. She's actually in the House of Ninja. But let's say um, there's a different type of, there's a different type of, you know, respect in the ballroom scene now because a lot of these young people if they don't win a category, <clears throat> they want to get upset. They want to start cursing. They want to start fighting and throwing tables. Because I've literally been at balls where people literally pick up whole tables and throw it at a crowd of people. They just start fighting because one person won a category where the other person didn't. And I'm just sitting there like, you do realize it's not that serious. Because back in the 80s, ballroom was a place to come together and it was a family of African American and Latin American underground LGBTQIA, you know, plus community people of the subculture in New York City. Mm-hmm. So, and it was really all about just coming together and because being with one another when you had nowhere else to go. Right. Back in the 80s, the ballroom was your family. If you, had the chance to have a house mother or a house father, they literally took you in as if you were their own child. They fed you, they clothed you, they gave you money, whether or not everything was legal or not, they made sure you had a roof over your head, food in your stomach, and clothes on your back. And in order for you to stay in that house, you had to, as they would call it, pay your dues. You had to go to house meetings where they would, you know, practice, you know, their voting and they would get ready for the next ball or they would uh, talk about like what they're going to wear and they would literally like take you under their wing and teach you, you know, the life, you know, the life lessons. That's one of the reasons Blanca won Mother of the Year on post. Mm-hmm. And could you explain whereas, that's something that um 
I would oh, like sure. uh, if you can explain that to some uh, some of my listeners who, you know, they saw the movie and, and they kind of, you know, saw different things. And then, you know, the the show came out on HBO um, the, um, that was really legendary. Legendary. That was really good. Hey, everyone. It's Daryl from Daryl's Daring Thoughts. Couple questions for you. Do you have a black owned business? Do you want to be a sponsor? Well, you've come to the right place. I have a great podcast, Daryl's Daring Thoughts, that you can sponsor your business on. You can sponsor it for one, two, three episodes or maybe the entire season. So if you want to sponsor your brand on my show, contact me at you at gmail.com. That's Darrow, D-A-R-O, dares you at gmail.com to learn how you can be heard in multiple countries alongside a celebrity guest through my sponsoring ad package. Can't wait to hear from you. And then, oh, yeah. um, you know, that don't understand like the, what, what, what it means to be a part of a house, you know, a house, mother, house, father, and you know, my, um, you know, just explain that to my listeners so they can get a better understanding. Okay. Of course. Well, Houses, they basically serve as an alternative for consisting of Black and Latino LGBTQIA plus community uh, individuals. And you would have um, the houses which are led by, you know, mothers or fathers, and they're usually older members of the ballroom scene, those who have been there growing up, even in the 70s, because you can trace this back all the way to the 1920s to the underground drag ball. And you would have these pioneers who've been there, who've known and seen people um, go through the trials and tribulations of this community, and they can offer their words of wisdom. So they would be looked up to as a mother, whether it would be a drag queen or a transgender woman or, you know, just a biological male as a drag father. Mm-hmm. So that's what it would mean to have a... Um, house mother and the house father and so they would take in kids and their house would have a name whether it be um house of labasia which was started by crystal labasia she was the first person to start a ballroom house and then you would have the house of saint laurent you would have the house of pendavis you would have the house of london balenciaga and the list just goes on and on and on and you would take on that name and whatever your name was, or you were, you were given a nickname, um, say just randomly, like um, Tamaya Balenciaga, who is deadly when she performs, when she steps on the floor. She's very new. She uh, just got her legendary status. So you would have, her name was, she, and she's a um, trans woman of color, and she took on the name Balenciaga, so, and her name was actually Tamaya. So she is Tamaya Balenciaga or, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. So that's what it means to have a um, house mother or house father. And they would go from, it would stretch across the U.S., mostly in cities in like the Northeast, from like New York City, Jersey, Philly, D.C., and California, even in Chicago. And you have the House of Avion, which was founded by Mother... Um, one Aviance in the House of Extravaganza, Extravaganza, excuse me, and which was uh, run by my um, gay uncle, recipe Hector Extravaganza, and also Andrew Extravaganza back in the eighties. So they would, um, excuse me, they would take in these kids, and they would literally live at their house 
and they would have them, you know, walk in categories and uh, win money. And also that the money that they would win would help pay for like their house, say like the food, the electricity, you know, all the bills and things like that. So that's what the role of a house mother or house father would be then. Now it's a little different. And I don't really like how it's going because um, now you have these kids who jump from house to house and you call them house jumpers. And they say, oh, I didn't like this house. I'm in this house now. Oh, I had an issue with uh, my house mother. You know, I didn't like her. And some of them would engage in, how can I say this? Would engage in, you know, relationships with their house children. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's like the number one rule in ballroom. You you don't do that. You just don't do that because a lot of things get misconstrued. Yeah. So I think ballroom now needs to really take a look back at what ballroom was because do you if think, it wasn't for do you do you think sorry no, do you think that it's different now because back then you really were fighting to survive. And people mm -hmm. nowadays, you know, not saying that there aren't people that are still, you know, struggling a little bit, but I think that, you know, the times, are, the times are different, you know, and, you know, a society and, and, you know, is becoming a little bit more acceptable to, you know, families are being more acceptable, you know, back then, you know, people are in these houses literally because they have nowhere else to live. You know, they are with these mm -hmm. people because they, this is their family because their family put them on the streets or their family mm -hmm. kicked them out and things like that. So do you think that because these, um, the people, um, you know, people in the houses these days don't, aren't able to appreciate, you know, what, everyone else before them had to do to establish where they are now that it's probably easier for them to just say well i'll go over here i don't like it there i'll go somewhere else or you know right. back then you didn't have nowhere else to go you made it work in the house that you were in and you abided by the mm -hmm. rules you you're a family you know you if you're you know families fight you get it together and so do you think that you know that lack of appreciation or understanding what every what they had to go through in the uh, 90s and beyond um, do you think that that has something to do with it? Oh, most definitely. And it's easier now because, you know, like you said, it's more accepted. And a lot of these new babies, that's what we call them, <laughs> a lot of these new babies in the scene, they don't know and they never will know what it was like in order for it to be okay and more accepted and more mainstream. Right. They, they will never know unless they really learn the history because you can't get to where you're going if you don't know where you came from. Right. And, and that's what I think. <clears throat> and um, it's definitely more accepted now with uh, Pose uh, being out there and Drag Race being out there. And then again, Drag Race, Hold really on, on that, because we gonna we 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 gonna we getting into that. <laughs> I, oh yeah, I, I had an actual. I got some things about drag race that hurts me. Yes, <laughs> I got some and about that. you have been flowing through this without me having to ask the questions. You've been doing really well. So this next Thank part, <laughs> I really want to talk about 
mainstream representation and okay. you know you know with you know just you know we, we 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 go through this you know with black culture and you know you know uh appropriation and things like that we go through that all the time and so mm-hmm. i i believe that the um ballroom scene and you know the drag culture as well has been has gone through that as well and yeah um, I want to talk to you about that, you know, with a few things that have happened, you know, over time. Now, I do know on Pose, you know, they 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 chewed they chewed Madonna out, they chewed her and spit her out for. Um, oh, they let her have it. They let her they have, let her it, have for, it. They let her have it, and I was expecting that because, again, mm-hmm. I've you know I've heard of what she did, but to see it on film in the south actually happen right to see right. it actually happen it, it 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 brings a whole different world so um if you could just talk about a lot of the things that you have seen over the years that have happened that have been you know like they just they just they just tried to really just snap out of the community and so I just want to allow you to talk about that as well well let's start with um Good old Madonna, or Madge, as some people would like to call her. Oh. When, oh, we'll talk about that later. That's a whole nother show. Now, okay. Uh, <laughs> now, when that song, Vogue, came out in March of, oh, Jesus, when was it? Like 1992? Or something like early 90s? Uh, it, was, Everybody it was March 1990. 1990, okay. Yeah, thank you. So March of 1990. Now, when that song came out, everybody was just like, "Oh my God, what is this? what is this Vogue Madonna? Madonna started this whole Vogue competition and started this Vogue dance." And I'm just sitting there looking at them like, "No, she didn't." I mean, she she may have brought it to a more broader audience and made it known to you know people in like the suburbs, but our city kids, oh, we've been doing this since like the 70s. Right. Like late 70s, 80s. So Madonna, thank you, but no thanks. But, um, do you think some, do you think it was someone who, like how did Madonna, like I'm very interested in how someone like Madonna even found out about it. Do you think it was someone who was probably in the scene that brought it to her? Mm-hmm. The, the men that were um, in that video dancing, they were all ball kids. They started out as ball kids, and then they just, they wanted to you know, you know do more with their career, and so they auditioned for Madonna and they got the job. That's mm. how Madonna found out about Vogue, but she didn't know anything about it up until those boys came. You know, right? Those boys that were in the video that came to um, dance with her. So, um, and then plus. As quiet as it's kept, Madonna would also, you know, be in like the clubs and stuff of like New York City, and she she would, you know, attend the ball here and there, and nobody knew she was in the building. And um, wow, that's how Madonna found out because because ain't no way. I mean, Madonna, I love you, and I'm not throwing shade. Ain't no way a white girl from Detroit, Michigan, just automatically said, "Oh, I'm gonna do a song called Vogue," and I'm gonna, no. Right. It, it, it was there before you, and it will be there after. You know, so um, that, that low-key, I mean, that low-key, that would actually be a really good movie. <laughs> that would, that really would. That would. If she, if she would actually own 
that you know if she would actually own that she knows she she stole this like that actually would be a very interesting movie but i'm sorry go ahead i'm sorry that's just that. no, 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 that's, no. Just, that's just the actor in me that kind of just thought of a good film oh that that would actually you know we we may need to work on that Listen. so that would be good but, but yeah so and and it's not to say that um she took all credit for it but i'm not saying she did you know what i mean because right. She wouldn't have known ballroom if it wasn't for those boys, you know, telling her what ballroom was. And so she said, "Oh, let me do a song about it." And it's, and the part in that song where she's saying Greta Garbo, Ad Monroe, Dietrich, and DiMaggio, Marlon Brando, Jimmy Dean, we, we all modeled ourselves after them, right? You know, because they were they were icons in the silver screen, and we wanted to emulate them. We wanted to, you know appear as them, we wanted to look like them, you know, things like that, because there were a time when people of color weren't even allowed to act, so they had to have white people in blackface who play us, and they would do a terrible job at that, yes. so it's just like, come on now, like, you can't get to where you're going if you don't know where you came from. Yeah. Madonna, like, the song Vogue, it's, it's one of my favorite songs, only because I understand it. I understand right. what she's talking about. I understand where it comes from. Whereas some people say, oh, I love this song. I love what she says. And I'm just like, do you really love what she says? Or do you know and hear what she says? Right. Because that's, you know, totally, you know, different thing. But, um, so that, and then Drag Race. Um, like I said, Aja, who did Crystal Abasia in the Snatch Game was probably the only contestant. No, no, no. I'm going to say that strongly and firmly. She is the only contestant that correctly paid homage to the ballroom scene. And on the first episode where these girls had to introduce themselves, you know, to the crowd, it was like a variety show, whether they dance, sing, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Aja came out as a ninja. Because like I said, she comes from the House of Ninja in New York City. And she was duck walking like Willie Ninja, who actually choreographed for Madonna. So mm -hmm. there's that connection too. And um, she duck walked like Willie Ninja. She had her hand performance like Willie Ninja, and she did the dip like Willie Ninja. Whereas most people would call it a death drop or a shablam. No, I'm gonna have to give you an X like they do on Family Feud. That's not correct. It is actually called a dip. Um, the dip. So. The death, right. And Aja is the only one that correctly did it. So she knew what she was talking about. She knew her true essence because for once she grew up in New York City. She grew up around, you know, all these ball kids and drag kids and people instilled all this in her. So, but yeah, Drag Race, yeah, Drag Race, I, li I like the show because I've had, I have friends who, is on the show. One of my good friends, Jada S. Paul, won this season, and it's it's a good show. But a lot of people, even the drag community, a lot of these people don't really know drag or the ballroom thing. They just right. say, "Oh, I'm on Drag Race. You can't tell me nothing." And I'm just like, "Girl, if you want to really know what drag is, I'm gonna need you to know who Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera were." Yes. Because if it wasn't for them, none of us would be here. Absolutely. Let, let's, just, let's just be correct. 
And 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 it's, and it's very very sad because a lot of these people don't know about Stonewall, and yes. you would see on Drag Race these older queens like Victoria Porchard Parker or Chad Michaels. They would say, "I remember a time when I can even you can even walk down the street in New York or wherever you were in drag, let alone holding hands with another man because they will they would have basically, for the lack of a better word." It would have straight up murdered you, and you had to get dressed at the bar and then get undressed. You had to go in the bar as a, as a man and then leave as a man because if you were caught in that, you could be arrested um, just for being a drag, and they would you know trump all these charges on you. So it's it's drag race really needs to I don't know. They need, really need to have more queens on there who actually know what it means mm-hmm. and understand it. And also, I wouldn't mind if they had more trans queens on them because, let's just be real, RuPaul is not a fan of the trans girl. She's not. And and, and it's very disheartening to me. But, um, yeah, I love Drag Race. It's, you know, it's good entertainment. It's a good show. But is it telling a true story of what drag is? No, and it's a shame because RuPaul came out in like the like eighties and nineties, so she should have had a better perspective yeah. and understanding of what drag was, especially for the trans girls, because she would hang up, hang around the trans girls, especially because she was she came out in Atlanta before she moved to New York City, and still to this day, the trans community and the drag kids in Atlanta they still do not see her. Wow. So it's very important to. You know, get have, all that together. I have one more question for you, um, and then yeah. we're definitely going to have a, a part two because you are just, of course, you are a human <laughs> Wikipedia, um, child. You are <laughs> a human Wikipedia. Like goodness gracious, like I just got ballroom one on one. Um, and so the, <laughs> the last thing I want to ask you now that I really know that you're from Chicago, um. I truly don't feel like we have a place here um, that people of color have a place here. Um, I mean, I mean, as far as a part of the LGBTQ um, um, plus community, I don't feel like we we have a place here to call home. Um, and I don't know. I have literally been. I've always tried to find like a ball to go to, or find people like me that are, you know, people of color that can be around, that are a part of the community, and I never can find any place to go. And I don't understand that. And sometimes I just say, okay, forget it. I'll just stay at home, and you know, because I refuse to go to Boys Town. So, right. I wanted to know like do you feel the same way have you felt the same way and and why is why do you think that is i do and with this rising um you know cases of you know riots and things like that and especially with pretty much the birth of excuse me the black lives matter movement and boys conference because when i first moved here to Chicago. I'm originally from St. Louis. So I moved here to Chicago when I was 20. And and I went to Boys Town my first time. I really didn't see anybody that looked like me. I just basically saw a sea of white people. Not to say that's a bad thing, but that's just all I saw. And 
later on in life, I would start to see more and more people of color because they would have, you know, like hip hop night or <laughs> Blatino night and at a uh, circuit, which is now called fantasy. And, oh, um, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And they would, you know, have these nights and then you would see people everywhere because before, you know, we started going to Boys Town, there were clubs like Club Escape over there on Stony Island or yes. there is Free Pub on, I want to say, what's that, like 78th and 79th and Jeffrey. He's straight down Lakeshore Drive and that's all we had. And then you would have, um, there was clubs back in the day called like Club Lorraine. There was like the Vortex and things like that. And you would have um, balls over there on the south side of Chicago. And they're, and they're mainly on the south side too. Um, like the Grand Ballroom, which is on Lakeshore Drive. Um, and you would have like the Rags to Riches Ball. You would have the Back to Basics Ball. You would have the Midwest Awards Ball, which is held in Chicago every year. And um, as far as like a safe space for us, there really isn't. And we come to Boys Town, but they don't want us in Boys Town. They really, really don't. Because there have been a few clubs there who have come under fire for racial inequality. And one of them in particular, it was... I want to say the club was cocktails. It's that club right on that corner across the street from that 7-Eleven. They, yes, um, the owner exactly of it, um, Jesus, I can't remember the name of that club. It's not Mini Bar, because Mini Bar was up the street and that club closed down. But the owner of that club was came under fire because he said, and you can uh, anybody can look up the article on Facebook, because... Um, so we're like MSNBC. We fact check just like Rachel oh, we Maddow. Are, we are. I actually, I, I actually had a, uh, already had an episode about this. Um, I, I did an episode about this already. So you ain't you ain't gotta go into that. It was yeah. They they. Right. Yeah, he tried it. He, he tried it. He did. He did. And th- he did. And then um, and it trickled down to other clubs in that area that had that same issue. So I say that to say. I don't think there's really a community for the black and brown people. We just go wherever we think and we feel we're going to be accepted, whether that's the truth or not. Right. But as far as having like, oh, let's go here and everybody you know, loves everybody, there's no drama, anything like that. I don't see that in Chicago. They may have that in other cities. They definitely have that in Atlanta. Definitely. Yes. And, um, but Chicago, eh, not so much. I don't, I don't, I don't see that, and and that's very disheartening, especially to this new generation growing up. And that's why there has been so many trans murders, not just Chicago, but all around. Like there, there's, there's just no safe space for us. There's nowhere for us to you know, literally, you know, like hang out and just, you know, music, food, you know, whatever the case may be. But I don't really see that in Chicago. Right. Even though people may think it is, but it's, it's not what it's cracked up to be for the right. community. No. 
Well, Darrington, I so appreciate you for coming on talking about this. I do think that you are so welcome. I do think that you know that's. Um, I would love to talk to you again about you know ways that we can possibly you know once COVID is over and things like that because I do you know believe I'm I'm a person who I, I'm you know I'm definitely a part of the community, but I don't feel you know I, I want to be able to be around people like me you know people of color right. like me to to be able to um um to be able to um understand the history Come together and, 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 yeah, and you know, yeah. be together and, and have those friendships and you know things like that and you know, I, w- I would love to be able to say, hey, I ran into this person and I met them here and now we're friends. Like, I can't d- I haven't been able to do that with people in this community because I don't feel a, a, a place. There's a safe place for us to be able to be ourselves and go. So I definitely think I would love to uh, have a conversation conversation with you about that. Um, I appreciate you for being a guest. You were a breath of fresh air. Uh, great information. <laughs> Thank you. Real quick. Do you Thank know somebody you so named much. Kiki Fears? I surely do. Kiki Fierce is a really good friend of mine. <laughs> Just, I love Kiki. Yes, Kiki is a really good friend of mine. We've done theater together. Um, so I was like, ooh, because I just I just kind of stalked you on Facebook. So add me back. Um, so we <laughs> for sure. For add sure. me back. But I just want to say again, thank you so much for coming on and being a part you of our so um, Black History um, edition and giving um, my listeners some great, a great knowledge of information. So, you're so, and now that I know that you're like a hot skip and a jump from my house, come on over for a cookout anytime because I cook yes. out now. Let me, let me just tell you that. Come on, listen, I need a good cookout. I'm, I'm here for it. Yes, absolutely. I, I, th- I, I throw down because my family, my mom's side at least, is from like the South. Oh, baby, we burn. Yes. We burn. Listen, I'm here for it. I am here for it. I got you, boo. Thank you, you, boo. (laughs) Well, thanks, you guys, for listening and tuning in to Daryl's Daring Thoughts Melanin Edition. And um, I'll be talking to you guys soon. Thanks. To follow me on social media, you can go to Instagram. I'm very active on Instagram. Um, It's Cordero underscore Santiago. Follow me on Instagram to just stay in touch with everything I'll talk about. I'll update you on um, the upcoming episodes and things to look forward to. I'm so excited that I have an email address now for you guys to send me requests for topics any questions you have regarding a topic that I've already discussed, or if you just want to vent about something that's going on in your life that you want me to talk about on an episode, I have an email address for you to do all of those things. The email is darrowdaresyou at gmail.com. So I'll spell that for you. Darrow, D-A-R-O-D-A-R-E-S-U. Darrowdaresyou at gmail.com. Send me an email.